0: Thanks for tuning in. 99 for One is a podcast of real life stories meant to inspire ordinary people to do extraordinary things that change our world. This podcast is owned and operated by Will Cravens, author of the book 99 for One and founder of the nonprofit Endurance Leadership. Now for today's podcast, here's Will Cravens.
1: Well, welcome back. This is episode 12 of 99 for One. And this week we're picking up where we left off uh, as I was interviewing Hector Verdugo of the Homeboy Industries. Uh, Hector's story, he grew up uh, in East L.A., uh, was involved in gang activity, had a very difficult upbringing with he and his uh, three brothers and Where we left off last week, he talked about his road that led him into uh, the gang that he was a part of and also into juvenile detention center and then later into prison. And where we left off uh, last week, we were right there in prison. So I'd like us to pick up right where we left off. So welcome back. Hector, and go ahead and tell us, if you will, how your journey continued in prison and where it went from there. Sure. So
0: while in prison, you know, from a neighborhood that raises guys to to go into prison and be a part of that system, I didn't do a lot of time. I did, you know, about a little less than two years and then got out and continued drug dealing. You know, there's a there's a lot that,
1: that happened in and out. And do you have more street cred when you come out? And you survive prison, so the guys look up to you more, you or know, have you, you lost you, your pecking order because you were gone?
0: No, 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 no. You come out with you like you basically you did you in a hall. You went to prison, came out with a good name. You have a little bit more status now. You've been you've been places. Street rank, right? Yeah. So again, continue the drug deal. I mean, violence is all around, all the time. But when, then one, one time, I got into some really heavy stuff that put me on the run for three years, I thought I was going to do the rest of my life in prison. And then it did something to my head. It really wore me down thinking I'm going to do the rest of my life in prison if I get caught and how am I not going to get caught? And then I got caught. The cops were looking for me and they finally caught me and I had some lawyers that, that were really, really good. And I had gotten to some violent things with some people and those people held up the street code of not really snitching on me. And so by that, I got out of county jail thinking I was going to do the rest of my life in prison. And so I felt like, okay, well now what am I going to do? Jump back into something that it's inevitable that I'm going to do something violent again that's going to put me right back into this predicament that like a miracle that got out because everybody around me is going to prison for life. And I felt like there's got to be another way. And Let me say this. I grew up very poor without nothing. And then found drug dealing became in a life of abundance that I've never had before. And in that abundance got me to feel like if I was something, you know, like be able to, to jump on an airplane and go somewhere and be able to buy a car go into a store and say, if I want to buy anything in here, I could afford to buy it, and you it felt somewhat empowered, it, it, and it
1: came through the it, drug dealing.
0: Right, it felt really good to have something like that. And by this time, you know, my education—I only went up to eighth grade. My my future was not going to hold anything in abundance besides. I call it street pharmaceuticals. So with this abundance came fear. Like, I don't want to go back to prison. I don't want to die. Before I say, well, we're going to kill you, do it. You know what I mean? Because I'm not happy anyway. It doesn't matter. When I came out from the second time, I said, how can I do this different? You know, I prayed. I said, help me, God, to see something. I don't know what to do. But I was frustrated with trying to read the Bible and trying to do good, and I didn't understand the Bible. And I remember saying like, God, I'm gonna stop reading this. It doesn't make sense to me, it's not helping me. You know, like, as great as God is, there was some guy that I that I known all my life. He's not a gang member. He's from the projects. He came to me and he seen me at a restaurant and he gave me a book. It's called The Power of the Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy. He told me this. He goes, I don't know what God wants me to tell you, but do you read? And I go, of course I read. And he goes, let me give you this book and I'll pray to see what does God want me to tell you. But he gave me this book and I read it. And this book, it's about habitual thinking and it really really blew my mind it did something that changed me and there was a lot of scripture in there so i was like oh god is good man i thought i was gonna leave him and he said i'm gonna come around through the back door dog don't trip
1: and he kind of answered your prayer the guy at the restaurant he has your book and then speaks you through that so then i started to
0: think about my life and and think about like, like what was i thinking at the time kind of reflecting on on my thoughts on on violence and what did I see as a kid and the habitual thinking that I had. And so I started to more of a positive type of thinking, which led me to Homeboy Industries. So I had met Father Greg when I was a kid in Juvenile Hall and I felt like This dude's special, but it was not so special that he was going to change me. (laughs) So, you know, many, many years later, I come to Homeboy Industries. is you know, the nonprofit that helps out gang members. It gives hope to the hopeless. We offer jobs and stuff, but more importantly, It's it's a therapeutic community. It really understands the hopelessness that we come in with. We think that we're pieces of crap, and we think that god don't like us we have these crazy thoughts of ourselves and father greg teaches love he teaches that we are worthy that god loves us no matter what there's not one thing no worst thing that we've ever done that doesn't make us who we are he told me things about like god loves you so much that he doesn't have no room for just being disappointed in you and and i was like what are you talking about that's nothing what i heard you know, when you hear that from a godly man that feels like there's love, I believe that is true. Wait a minute. Everything else I've been hearing, all this other crazy stuff has been BS.
1: But it resonated in your spirit. This is right. it. did. Yeah.
0: It did. I, I I feel like this is what the way God is. So there therapeutic type classes. I got into creative writing classes, started writing and that homeboy industries is not just like a therapeutic community. It pays you to be a part of this program now we call it the 18 month program you get paid to come to like work you know and you're working on yourself you have a therapist you know, for people coming out of prison, they're getting their life back together, getting their IDs, getting their social securities. Um, I,
1: I saw a sign over there that said, how to pay off your debt.
0: Right. You know, people who've been living on the streets and getting credit stuff and kind of just blowing it off. And now you're like, dude, credit is everything. How do I fix this stuff, you right. know?
1: And they've got all those, yeah, just, people to help you. So
0: much free tattoo removal. NA classes and anger management just so much that, that everything's practical. Everything's practical and almost everything is free. There's one class is domestic violence class that the county makes us charge, so we charge the least. So we always have it packed out. So yeah, I started working at Homeboy working on myself what year was that that was in 2006 okay 13 years ago wow. yeah yeah it was something man it, it really you know, it got me to open up I, I remember doing this writing class and I got to talk about my family and myself my story and, and I touched something that made me want to cry and I, I didn't I never really cried so I said I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to do this but in my room and I remember started to write again in my room by myself and I just Broke. I started crying, and and something like the spirit was telling me, keep writing, keep going. I didn't realize how therapeutic it was to write and see,
1: reflect on my life. And so, stuff. so in, if you were to stop and say so, to our talk, listeners, mm-hmm. we ask this question: What about you and me? Like, what's something you could? pass along that you would say for those listening who either a might be wrestling with addiction or a really messed up past family situation or maybe they're a loved one they're the family member with the kid that's an addict or is in a, a gang uh, violence what would you say to those people listening well I guess on
0: both on both ends I would say never give, give up. up on love loving yourself as an addict you know, giving yourself the chance too. for redemption to, if your child was a addict and keeps stealing your money and stuff, you know, I'm not saying to keep them in your house and keep on stealing it, you know, but never give up. To, I, I Like even if you have to send somebody out and say, I love you, but here are the options of getting into rehab. And so
1: lo- love might look different in different scenarios, but never absolutely. give up loving them. Right. Exactly.
0: Um Those are some of the you know those are the the things. And for the person who feels like he's trapped and there's you know gloom in front of him, I, I I would say I've worked with. Thousands of people, there's always circumstances change for the better if you allow yourself, you know, just one foot in front of the other and strive for. Wanting to do good, and I feel like God will give you an opportunity, whether it be a book or any little thing, and you grab that, you, you you thank God, and then more things start to come. And i watched people come out of situations where, like even mental health, I've watched love for however that works that put the brain back together and brought in on clarity. And And you saw change. Yeah, I see it all the time. I see it with myself, and I see it with the brothers and sisters that we serve. Um, How's that impact, how you parent? I have a 27, 25, and 19. That That impacted big time with my boys. You know, I wasn't there for a lot of their beginning years. Well, my two older boys, I wasn't there. My oldest son came with me when he was 15 years old. And we kind of went through homeboys together, you know. And then I was through Father Gray, got him into a private school in in Estes Park, Colorado. You know, when you give this a chance, I feel like God says, I got your back. And then opportunities come. And yeah, it's scary because it's different. But to say, you're going to go live in the Rocky Mountains to go to high school. And, and he, he said, it, at first said like no way, you know. And then after I told him this is a this is a great opportunity because mm-hmm. is- he was ready to go to juvenile hall with his friends. And, you know, you would have went right, and he was like, yeah, would have went. You know, I know this sounds stupid, but act like you were gonna go. But this is gonna be a positive one, and watch the, change, the, the, the good change, change that's gonna happen. And he went, and and he, he graduated, and he came back so different. I would go visit him over there. Me and Father Greg used to go visit him. It was it was so cool, man. My middle son Michael, he, he carried a lot. I'd heaviness from me leaving uh, him as a child and And our uh, relationship like it was going really well but then just recently, he was at my house spending the night, and when I woke up, he was gone. and I've been trying to call him, but I just got to pray for that. He's 25 years old, you know, so mm-hmm. I would give him his space. He's a man. And my youngest son, who's been with me, uh, even though his mother know, and I separated, we were sharing custody. And once he turned 13, uh, I said, You should let him, let me, you know, have my boy, you know. And by that time, I was just, you know, so stable at homeboy industry. I would, became a senior staff. I worked my way up the ranks and became one of the directors there. So I could afford to have my own place and take care of my son and you know learning how to be a father and loving my kid and not being afraid to hug him and talk to him you know father to son which I've never done you You know I've never had that you know but it feels so good you know that I could be able to the stuff that I've learned I get to teach and uh, give wisdom to my boy and uh, recently uh, through the 2020 new year's you know my son my wife she said something and i heard my son say i i love my dad i love that he talks to me and and gives me advice and i use it and it works touched my heart you know to say that i am you know worthy to be these kids father and i have something worthful to give it feels so amazing i know parents out there that would love to hear that. I'm
1: lucky Good to be hear one it. of them, yeah. Dude, I, I just want to say thank you, Hector, for taking all this time. And it's uh, been a privilege for me, and I'm sure for all our listeners to hear uh, your story. Uh, so I just want to say thank you. And uh, we give it. a shout out to uh, Father G, Father Gregory Boyle, and his book is available on Amazon.com, Tattoos on the Heart. One of the best books I've read, man. Great book, so yeah. uh, highly recommended. Uh, got and to meet him for the first time today. So, <laughs> hey, signing off, 99 for one. Uh, 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 thank you for tuning in.
0: You've been listening to 99 for 1, a podcast of real life stories meant to inspire ordinary people to do extraordinary things that change our world. This podcast is owned and operated by Will Cravens, author of the book 99 for 1 and founder of the nonprofit Endurance Leadership. Thanks for listening.